0: So my message this morning, this is really what I would entitle prayer and fasting to, because everything I'm preaching in these weeks, I really want to preach out of what God is saying during our prayer and during our fasting. So I think it's really important that we grab a hold of what God is saying. Now, the gist of this week has been very much about warfare, but I will talk a bit more about that later on, but I just wanted to throw that out. But There's been a sense, oh, let's change. Thank you. There's been a real sense that God is preparing us. Yeah. God is preparing us. My hope was that we would do 21 days of prayer and fasting and the Holy Spirit would fall and we'd see a revival and all of West Brom would get saved and then Jesus comes back and we're sorted. But it doesn't work like that. And what I've begun to see over this last 21 well, where are we? Today is the fifteenth, so we started the second. So the last thirteen days, what we've seen is that God is touching and working in people on a multitude of different levels. Every time I talk to someone is saying, Well, God's speaking to me about this, and God's doing this, and He's challenging me about that. God is working. On so many different levels. Now, uh, I should really have known this. Uh, I'm not a particular handyman, okay? But if you're living in a house, you've got to do stuff, haven't you? So the other week, it was, it was time to re silicon the bath. You ever silicon the bath? You know, you got to, it gets a bit manky and you've got to do that. So I thought, well, to strip along here, and there's a strip along there, I mean, how long can that take? So I started at 8 o'clock, and by 1 o'clock I was done. It took me forever to get the old silicon off, absolutely forever, just kept on coming, stuff. then I had to clean it all off and that took forever and then I had to just wipe it down with alcohol thing and then had to do the silicon. I've got this wonderful tool to give me a nice straight line if the bath didn't have these blinking curves, <laughs> so whatever. Now why am I sharing that? I'm saying that because preparation takes longer than we anticipate. If you've ever done any form of job in your house or anywhere and you say it's going to take me two hours, my tip would be double it and then add 50%. And in the same way that God is preparing us, he's preparing, see, if God's intention was for you to get saved and just go to heaven, you'd now be dead. I mean, think about the logic of it, Yeah. If the point was to have your sin forgiven and to go to heaven, then you would get saved, we would shoot you, and then we'd be done. Because we don't then need to live on the earth in a sinful world because it would all be done. But the reason that we get saved and we're here on the earth is because there's a job to do. Outside of that door are millions of people who have got the most horrible life you have ever heard of. If you look at the news, if you read the newspapers, if you watch some of these terrible stories of what people are going through, and that's happening right now. And yet Jesus Christ came for those people. He said, guys, you've got a job to do. How many of you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Anybody want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? I certainly do. But you know, the Holy Spirit is given for us to be a witness, it tells us in Acts 1, and when you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. So the Holy Spirit is given to be a witness to people about Jesus. If we're not going to witness, if we're not going to operate in spiritual gifts, we don't need the Holy Spirit. I mean, we don't. If all we're going to do is come to church, sit in church, enjoy the amazing blessing of being a believer. We do not need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given when you go out. The Holy Spirit is given when you need power. The Holy Spirit is given so that when you witness there is a testimony from God that what you are saying is the truth. And so God is preparing us. He's working at so many different things all at the same time. He's dealing with sin. He's dealing with character. He's dealing with lifestyle. And one of the big things he's doing is he's challenging our status quo. You know, people, over COVID, it was easy to get in a rut on a Sunday morning. Ah, we just need to turn the TV on. After a while, but we'll turn it on and, and we'll put it on fast forward. You know, it's easy to get into a rut. And in life, it's easy. Get home. Oh, it's cold outside. Don't want to go out. Let's put the TV on. Just need some, something to distract me. Have some dinner. Prayer meeting. Oh, man, then I've got to put my coat on. It's raining. Got to drive there. You know, I understand all of that. But God is challenging it. He's challenging the values that we have. I'm increasingly appalled by what I see on TV. It disturbs me and God says, come on guys, we're doing something. Now, I'm not saying that because all that is needed is us to move and act, although we need to do that. But we also need something that we would call an encounter. Uh, I've been involved in a lot of discipleship teaching over the years, and my conclusion is simply this. Teaching alone doesn't change anything. You would have thought, if knowledge alone changes the world, why are we still killing one another? I mean, why are we? Why do rich people have so much they can do stupid stuff with it and there are people who are starving to death? Why, if knowledge alone would help us to solve all of those problems would be okay. But knowledge alone is not enough because we are wicked people. The world doesn't want to accept that since Adam and Eve, we have within us a sinful nature that is goaded on by Satan that does bad stuff. And so what we need is what we call an encounter with God. I ask myself the question, I've been 33 years in ministry, 33, I don't know, 30, must be 33, in ministry, and in that time, I've noticed that some people, no matter what happens, they keep moving on in God. Good times, bad times, they move on in God. There are other people that I kind of call Christian inflatables. And you have to keep inflating them, and when you go away, they kind of go, as the air goes out. And then when you meet them next time, they're kind of like this, and then you go, pump them up, and then they're all okay, and then they go, and I'm saying, Lord, why does that happen? And the simple thing is, they haven't met God. They've made a decision that they want their sins forgiven and to follow Jesus, but it takes an encounter with God that you are touched from the inside and changed. The best example is Isaiah 6 when uh, you look at Isaiah talking and he said, uh, King Uzziah died and he had this vision of God, and then he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And God sent a burning coal, and it burnt his lips, touched him with it. Now, in my life, I've had maybe three or four, maybe more encounters with God. When I was 16, that's when I became a believer, I was away in a youth camp. I can't tell you what they preached. All I remember is that all of a sudden I was overcome with a sense that I'm going to hell. I cannot tell you what that felt like. I know what it feels like, but I can't describe that to you. For two hours, I was like this, kind of, what do I do to do, do, and I was, I, was, I was working out. My brain was flicking around, doing loads of stuff, trying to work out what do I need to do to get that changed. And then in the end, the only answer was to get down on my knees to pray to Jesus and to see that changed. And that, that, that totally changed me. And over time, Jesus has come again and again, and he's changed things in my life. And I've had a touch point where he has been there, his presence has been there, and it's changed something on the inside. And we need that. We need God to encounter us. It's not about knowledge. It's about meeting someone. It's about saying, wow, this is Jesus. He's real. And I want to encourage you this morning it isn't about knowledge. It is about encountering God, and when you encounter God, when He He touches your heart, when He changes you, when you are um, uh, that hot coal comes and it sears you and it leaves that kind of burn in you, you are forever changed. And those people keep moving on in Christ. That's what we need. It's part of my prayer in this 21 days that we're praying and fasting that what we need is we need an encounter with God. Do you remember a few years ago we did these encounter uh, weekends away and we saw lots of people changed and they are still changed today from that moment. You can see it. Maybe we need to do some more of those. And the point is that God wants to change us, to prepare us so that we will be effective in what he wants to do. Ephesians 4 tells us that the gifts, the apostle, the prophet, the priest, the priest, apostle, prophet, um, preacher, teacher, evangelist, they are all given to prepare people, to equip them for a work of service. And so we encounter God And then we need to get ready. And it says further on in verse 15 in Ephesians 4 that we become a mature body and that each part does its work. And the thing is, these are not things that happen in a moment. They are things that need a shift of time and energy to happen. How many of us know that a New Year's resolution is no good if it isn't backed by a shift in activity over a prolonged period of time? It's called building habits. And we all know we need to do them, but we need to do them as much in the kingdom. God wants to pour out more through your life than you will ever know, but he needs a willing vessel that says, I will put my shoulder to the plough and I'll get on with that. The biggest enemy to that is distraction. I would say the thing that we suffer with the most is distraction. There are too many things that sparkle. Have you ever seen a child when you take it into the sweetie shop? Wow. Wow. What do you want? (laughs) I want that. No, no, I want that. No, I want that. No, I want that. I want all of it. We get distracted. We get distracted. One of the scriptures we had this week, or one of the the kind of stories, was about Mary and Martha. And here you have Jesus, and he's come to the house of Lazarus, and Mary and Martha, his sisters are there, and Martha thinks, you know what? Jesus needs a good meal. And so she's in the kitchen, slaving away, doing all the stuff. And, and while she's doing all of that, she can hear the conversation as people are awed at what Jesus is saying. And she looks through, and there's her sister. She's going, hold on a minute. I'm slaving away in this kitchen. She's sitting there with Jesus. That's not fair. And you can see there's this pressure building within her. And then when Jesus comes, the, the only thing she can say to him, why can't you tell my sister to come and help me? And Jesus says, because all of this stuff is not necessary, but what she's doing is necessary. She's sitting at my feet and she's listening to words of life. And we can be so easily distracted into just doing stuff when he says, just stop for a moment. To have an encounter with God, you need to give him time. I've, I've heard so many stories of married couples who have children, and they have however many, and then Over the next 20 years as their children grow up and they go through this cycle and the children leave home, they all of a sudden realize they've grown apart because they've never really developed the relationship with one another because they've been focused on something else. They've been distracted. And the children are a good distraction, but the children should not distract to the level that you do not relate with your wife or with your husband. We should never get to that point. And the thing with Jesus is, Jesus does not force himself into your life. He waits for you. He says, I'm here. Jesus kind of he says, Hey, uh, I'm in the lounge or I'm in whatever room. I'm waiting for you. And we rush, pal, yeah, I need to get some food. Oh, I need to go out and do some shopping. Oh, I need to do this. Need to do that. And he's waiting. And he's waiting. And he's waiting. And people come and say, man, I can't hear God. I don't know what God is saying. I don't feel he's near. I'm being distracted by all of this. I'm struggling with all of that. And he says, just stop for a minute. Stop. And this time of year, January, is such a good time to stop. Do we need to be doing all of those things? You know, Ecclesiastes tells us there is nothing new under the sun. And those of us who are over 50 can attest that in 50 years or plus of life, there is nothing new under the sun. It just changes its face. Politicians are the same. Still haven't learned how to tell the truth. Policies are the same. It's still a struggle to live. We've still got to work however many hours. And you know, there is one time in a person's life when they truly evaluate the history of how they have lived and that is the time that they're dying. All of a sudden, people begin to say, you know what, I wish... I had not spent so much time in the office making money and had spent more time developing my relationship with my children. I wish. I wish I'd given more time to relationships. I wish I'd spent more in sewing into people than all of the other things. You know, when it comes to the point that we go to glory, All the material wealth in the world means absolutely nothing. Could you leave it all behind? And I want to encourage you this morning. God has so much more for us. And we're in a time of preparation. And he's going to start moving us out in April to do some things. And all that you need is to spend some time with Jesus. And he will flood your heart with who he is. He will give you a knowledge of who you are and who he's called you to be. He will speak words of confidence and faith into you that you will begin to stand up and say, I'm a child of God. Because let's face it, we are a product of the voices we listen to. And whenever we listen to voices that say, well, you can't do this. I've got a friend who's in ministry He's turning 60 this year, and he was told when he was a youngster at school and by other people, you will never ever amount to anything. And you know what? That plagued him for 30 years in his life until Jesus set him free from that. And there are lots of things that have been said in your life. "Ah, man, you're a failure. Ah, You can't ever get this right. Well, you haven't got any real gifts. Uh, You didn't do good at school. And you know what Jesus says? He says, I don't care about all of that. I redeemed you. And the gifts that I have do not require human ability to do them. They just require a willing spirit and a trusting spirit to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through. That's why in the history of the Christian church, some of the greatest preachers we ever had were the worst communicators you've ever seen. Smith Wigglesworth had a stutter. Did you know that? He was one of the greatest uh, miracle-working preachers we've seen. He had a stutter. He could hardly read. His wife taught him to read. He only ever read the Bible. And so I want to encourage you. You might not think this is encouraging. I want to encourage you that all of this is available when you stop and you give time to God when you allow him to speak into your life i made a decision this year i'm not going to watch any more news i don't watch any news now to to to, to be totally transparent i get a magazine that i buy called the week and this magazine has got the headlines of all the news in the world in, and it gives me the news story, the four opinions, the against opinions, and some commentary on it, so I'm getting a kind of holistic view, and it takes me about an hour to read, and that's all I look at, and it keeps me up to date. Because I'm trying to be careful of what I'm listening to continually. What's, what's the thing that is continually being kind of voiced into my head and into my home and into my kids? And I want it to be God's Word. I want it to be God's Word. And how am I going to do that? Well, I'm, I've started again this month memorizing Scripture. It's hard work, I tell you. It's hard work memorizing Scripture. But as I'm doing it, it's beginning to speak to me. God speaks to me through the Word. Memorize 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 13, which talks about that there is one spirit, there is one Lord, and there is one body. We're part of one body. And I've been going through, I think, wow, it's amazing. One body. Just one body, not 15, but one body. We're part of one body. We're together. We are part of one body. We need one another. And so I want to listen to God but I've got to give him time. And so this morning, I'm nowhere near through my notes, but time is is moving on. I want to encourage you today. I honestly believe that God has moved us through a period of transition, and he's bringing us to a time when he wants us to get ready. Get ready. And that is up to you. I will do my utmost to help you in whatever way I can, but I can do nothing if you are not willing. And that willingness is down to you spending some time with Jesus. I was watching this guy talking about how to be more productive in life. And he made this really simple statement. It all starts with your calendar. It all starts with your diary. Anything that is important to you, you will put in your calendar or your diary. Think about that for a moment. If you've got an appointment with a dentist, send the diary. You've got a job interview, send the diary. You've got to go shopping, send the diary. Maybe you can remember some of those things, but I whack them in, send the diary. But the stuff we don't put in the diary is stuff that usually never gets done, or it might get done if we have time. But the stuff that's there, we look and say, oh, today, I've got to do this, this, this. It's there car needs to be mot That's in the diary. It comes up, pops up, MOT. Car needs a service, pops up. Kids need to go to the dentist, pops up. What about praying? What about reading the Bible? Is that in there? Because if it's not in there, you'll never do it. You need to put it in until it becomes a habit, and then you don't need to put it in. Till it becomes a habit. Joss and I, we get up early in the morning. She gets up so, uh, mostly earlier than I do. But it's become a habit. Even on holiday, you can't sleep beyond a certain time because it's become a habit of getting up. And so we develop those habits. And I want to encourage you, if there's anything out this prayer and fasting at this time that is so crucial for us, it's about being people who read the Bible who pray and who just spend some time with Jesus every single day and that will transform our lives and begin to equip us. And we will do things in the church together as a body that will equip us for the works of service we need to do. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you that you love each one of us this morning and I want to pray... And I want to pray for you this morning. God has a plan for your life. But maybe his plan for your life is not the same as your plan for your life. My plan for my life is not what I'm currently living. My plan for my life finished at the age of 22 when God called me into ministry. And from that point on, my plan for my life has been saying, Lord, what do you want me to do now? And he has a plan for your life. But unless you're willing to lay down your own plan, you'll never make room for his. And so I want to challenge you this morning. I want you to pray in your heart. If you're earnest, I want you to pray in your heart and say, Lord, I want your plan for my life. I want the road that I walk down to be the road that you have marked out for me to go down. I don't want to deviate off it. I don't want to go somewhere else. No matter how good it looks, I want to move where you want me to be. And so, Lord, I pray for your people this morning. I pray that out of anything that they would understand, it's about knowing you, the living God, and that you love them and that you have a plan and a purpose for them and that you want to lead them into a fruitful life that is fulfilled and effective because it is the life that God has chosen for us, and it is the best life we could possibly live. And Father, I pray that especially for our young people who will be told so many things as they go to school and as they grow about what is the most valuable thing in life. And Father, all those things lead to nothing. They're all dead ends. And I pray that they would understand that only a life lived in Christ is a life that has purpose, fulfillment, joy, and a good end. And so, Lord, we pray for your people today. Pour out your Spirit, equip us, encourage us, strengthen us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.